Amen. Well, thank you, Nate. Uh, those of you who know me, um, you know that uh, I tend to be a little unconventional at times, okay? I tend to, uh, I tend to, you know, just, I, I like to buck the system, you know, every once in a while. But I, I'd, like to, I'd like to do a little show and tell. Um, to kind of start off, and then I'm going to ask for, for a volunteer. So uh, the first thing I'd like to show you is my favorite backpack. All right, this is, this is my absolute favorite backpack, okay? Who can guess what's in this backpack? Fishing stuff, right? Yeah, fishing stuff. There is a lot of fishing stuff in this backpack. During my fishing months, all right, you can find me along a river lugging this thing, all right? I've got just about everything that I could possibly want or need to catch a bass up here in northeast Pennsylvania. And it's not a light bag. Um, I, I don't know how much it weighs. Um, I'm pretty strong. That's why I was able to hold it up with one hand, you know, my left hand. Um, but it's, it's pretty hefty. Um, it's got weights. It's got sinkers. Um, it's got my knife. It's got uh, a whole bunch of uh, different accessories that I use inside of this bag here um, so that I can get it whenever I need to. So I'm going to put my bag over here for a second. There it is. Here's my bag. And I'm going to ask for my daughter, Ryan. She is excited. Um, for those of you who don't know Ryan, Ryan is basically a mini version of me, okay? Um, she likes to have fun. She likes to have a good time. Now, Ryan, I'm going to ask you to do something before you come up here. I'm going to ask you to do something you love to do at our house, which is take off your shoes and your socks. We will find socks all over our house, like in the strangest places. Um, she came out for basketball pictures the other day, and she had two different colored socks on, and I was like, yeah. So, Ryan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a blindfold on you, okay? You wanna, why don't you put it on yourself? Make sure you can't see. Make sure you can't see at all. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the microphone here. That's okay. Tight, tight. Can you, are you going to pass out? No? Okay, good. All right. Can you see anything? Okay, good, good. She can't see anything. All right, so I'm going to give you the microphone. Hold the microphone here. Now, as parents, we have a few fears. Okay, this is my daughter here. One of my greatest fears is, um, I, I, I'm not afraid to admit it, okay? I've talked about this before. I'm afraid of deer. I'm afraid of horses. Um, I'm, I'm also afraid of, of the dark. Um, I am. Uh, to a point. Uh, I, am, I am going to be blatantly honest with you guys and just lay myself bare here. There are times at night that I will have to come over to church here and I will beg one of my children to come with me. I will. I'll just be like, yeah, you got to come with me. Like, you got to come with me. I don't know. My wife's laughing because she knows it's absolutely true. I'm like, hey, you want to take a ride? Let's, I'll buy you something. Like, let's go. Um, but as parents... Um, particularly when my kids were a little younger, there was a fear that I had, um, and it involved the dark. And not only did it involve the dark, but it involved something else here. Um, you know, usually in the middle of the night, the kids, would be, the kids would be playing all day, and then they don't put away their toys, but there's one toy in particular that would scare me to death in the dark. 
And those are these. What are these? I feel like they're Legos. They are Legos. Legos here, right? So, Ryan, here's what I'm going to do. Don't look, but I am going to spread the Legos out in front of you here, okay? Okay. So I'm going to take these Legos, and I'm just going to spread them all out here. Oh, there's a lot of Legos. Wow. This, this is bringing back memories here. All right. So, Ryan, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take one Lego. Oh, this is a, this is a good one here. This is a, this is a really good. This comes from years of experience. This Lego here, if it's positioned right. I feel like it's the saw blade. No, it's not the saw blade. Okay. So uh, it's just a regular Lego. So what I want you to do, I'm going to put it out in front of you here, right? Yep. And I want you to take this foot here, and I'll place it on the Lego. Uh, don't push down so hard. Just touch it and. Get the, get the right pressure on it that it's going to hurt. Not with your toe. Put it down <laughs> right here. Just put some pressure on it. Does that hurt? Not really. Okay, step on it. Does that hurt? It's no? A, it's it? a fine art. It's a fine art. Okay. So there are literally hundreds of Legos out in front of you. Yes. All right? Now, do you think you could make it across the Legos? As long as I don't trip. Well, you might trip. Okay. And you might twist an ankle, because they're not all that piece. Like, I've got, I've got castle pieces. I've got an airplane piece here that's round. Um, I've got, oh, my goodness, you would be so mad if you stepped on this one, because you'd break it. But a little Barbie piece here, Lego. Um, I've got pieces of pieces here. This is like a part of an airplane here that is very jagged and everything. Um, you know, I think, I think we might need a Band-Aid um, after this. Are you still willing to, to try to do this? Sure. I don't think you should. Okay. I mean, what, what could happen? You could twist an ankle, you could, you could fall off the stage, you could really, really get hurt. Right? Yeah? Are, are you scared at all or no? Why are you not scared? Because I've walked on Legos before. You've walked on Legos before. All right, sit down. My wife told me this was going to happen. I should have listened to her. Anyway, most sane people would say no. Like, I'm not walking across the Legos. I should have picked someone more cautious and not like myself, because as you'll see in a second, or in a little bit, someone is going to walk across these Legos. Someone who's far more cooperative is going to walk across these Legos um, than my daughter here. But um, most people, and me included, in the dark when faced with a Lego, we get scared. Like, we're like, oh no. Now, the Lego, in a sense, kind of surprises us. Right? We, don't, we don't anticipate that it's there, and that's part of the reason why it hurts so bad. Uh, we step down expecting to feel nice, soft carpet, or even worse, you know, the hardwood floor, and then find, find the Lego uh, on the floor there in the dark. But it is, it is a painful experience, and pain tends to scare us to a point. We, we tend to try to avoid 
pain. Now, God designed our bodies in a way that, um, that we, should, uh, we should be wary of pain. Um, you know, pain is, is part of, of life here, and it's a way for us to know that we are about to, to get hurt or to, to hurt ourselves even more. Um, it's a warning system for us that either, A, we've just done something stupid, or um, someone has done something stupid uh, to us, and we should, you know, we should get out of there. Um, in John chapter 11 here, um, we're going to talk about a group of people um, that are um, sick. Uh, one person in particular who's sick, Lazarus, um, his, uh, his, his sisters who are concerned for him, Mary and Martha. Um, but then we're going to look at the disciples and how the disciples react to Jesus' plan for, for what he is about to do here. Um, I want to give you a little bit of background here. Um, in John chapter 11, obviously we just came from John chapter 10 here. Uh, Jesus has just uh, spoken about um, several different um, ideas and um, things that we can, we can hold fast to. He's talked about the fact that uh, his sheep know his voice, that they know him. Um, he has talked about the fact that he and the Father are one. Uh, they are together, they are united, um, and he is trying to encourage um, the, uh, the Jewish officials here uh, to the fact that he is the one to follow, that he is the correct way, that he is the truth, that he is the life, and they are not hearing it. And the conclusion we're supposed to come to is that the reason that they can't understand it and they can't hear it is because they are not his sheep. Um, they are not his sheep. Uh, and Jesus has been building this case for a while in John. Um, this idea that the people who think that they know God, the people who think that they are following the law, the people who think that they are the religious leaders, are thinking incorrectly. And they have their mind focused on the wrong things. In John chapter 11 here, um, John starts off, and he says, A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. The village, uh, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So his sister sent to him, so the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Well, we have, to, we have to figure out a few questions here in order to, order to figure out what exactly is going on. The first question that I have, personally, is where is Jesus right now? If we, if we look back a chapter, we see that uh, at one point in chapter 10, he was, he was in Jerusalem, he was in the temple, um, and then after he got sort of chased out of the temple, uh, we find that he goes across the Jordan River, to where it says John was initially baptizing. So what I did was I went on Google uh, Earth or whatever, Google Maps, and I said, okay, if I were to walk from Jerusalem or, yeah, Jerusalem, if I were to walk from Jerusalem to the closest point that I could get to on the Jordan River, 
Because again, I'm a fisherman. I think to myself, where's the, you know, what's the most direct route to fish, right? No, what's the most direct route to walk? It would still take the average person about eight to nine hours to walk to the Jordan River. Now, Jesus is going to say some things in a minute here that are going to kind of give us a nice little timeline here. But I think at the very least we can say that it took him a full day's travel. There's 12 hours in a day. He's going to tell us this. It took him about a full day's travel to get to the Jordan with all of his disciples there. So this is where Jesus is. Um, Bethany. Where is Bethany? We, we, hear, we hear this idea, uh, you know, this, this village of Bethany. Um, Bethany is about two miles closer to the Jordan River. It's about two miles closer to the Jordan River. So there's a very good chance if Jesus was just going to the closest place he could find for the, you know, to get to the Jordan River, he probably went right by Bethany as he, as he traveled. So Bethany is in between Jerusalem and the Jordan River. But Jesus is on the other side of the Jordan River. If you look back in John chapter 10, verse 40, that's where it says that, that he crossed across the Jordan. He left the region of Judea. And we're going to learn about that in a second. So this is where Jesus is. We don't really get a lot of information as to what he's doing there. John doesn't tell us. You know, usually when Jesus goes somewhere, he goes there for a reason, and John, John tells us. You know, he goes, he goes to a pool to heal a blind man. He goes to the temple to teach. He goes to the synagogue to teach. He goes to uh, John to be baptized. Um, you know, he goes for a reason. But here we just learn that he crossed across the Jordan River. So, that is the, the place at where Jesus is at. What time, what time frame, what time of year, what point of Jesus' ministry are we at right now? I think this is the next question we have to ask. And again, if we go back to chapter 10, in the beginning of chapter 10, it says that it's the Feast of Dedication. I'm sorry, chapter 10, yes. Um, it's the Feast of Dedication which eventually would turn into what we call today Hanukkah. Anybody know when Hanukkah happens? End of November, beginning of December, usually somewhere in that, in that time frame there. What do we know has not happened yet? Passover. Passover hasn't happened. How do we know that Passover hasn't happened? Well, Jesus is still alive. Right? We know that Passover hasn't happened because Jesus was crucified during Passover. In John chapter 10, it tells us flat out that it was winter. So it was somewhere between December and, you know, Passover kind of moves, but like April-ish, which would put us right now. Right? Right now. I mean, as far as the time of year goes, this is the time of year that these events are happening. Right now. We learned some other things in, in chapter 10 that we're going to, we're going to pick up here. And we, we know that he's outside of Judea because, again, he was basically chased out of Judea. 
the Jews there tried to stone Jesus, and he left. But it's this time of year. So we, we start to dive into the characters here. This is a great story. The story has twists and turns. It has, um, it has uh, you know, you think you're going one direction, and then the disciples are going another direction. This is one of the greatest stories ever written. But it's only in this gospel. This is the only time that this story is mentioned. Is here in John. And the way the Holy Spirit inspires John to write it, it's a masterpiece. There's no other way to, to, to put it. So we have some characters here. We have a man named Lazarus. We have his sisters, Mary and Martha, and we know where they're from. We know a little bit about Mary um, from John here. John says, listen, it was Mary who anointed Jesus' feet and wiped, her, wiped his hair, or wiped his feet with her hair. Um, that, was, that was Mary who did that. We know from other stories in Scripture, we know that Mary and Martha, um, we know the, the story of how Jesus came to visit, and you know Mary took all of her time just spending with Jesus and, and being with Jesus, and Martha kind of got upset. She was working, she was working hard. Lazarus we don't know as much about. But, his sisters fill us in here in verse 3. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. He whom you love is ill. The word love here is uh, my favorite word for love in the Bible. It's phileo because I'm from Philadelphia. Um, it's, it's phileo, right? It's a, it's a friendship love. It's a, it's a brotherly love. But Lazarus is sick. Jesus' friend, whom he loves, is sick. It's not fun being sick. I mean, I've been, I was sick for the past two weeks. I had a sinus infection, and then I had COVID, and, you know, it was, it was miserable. I was stuck in my, you know, basically in my room for two weeks, I, you know, bouncing off the walls. It's not fun. I, I've yet to meet somebody who says, you know what I want for Christmas? I want to get sick. You know, you know what I really wish? I really wish I was sick. You know what I could use right now? I could really use a sore throat. I could really use a good post-nasal drip. You know, I, 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 haven't met, I haven't met a person who's, who's ever said that. Sickness can be scary. I, I, have a, I have a member in my household, one of her greatest fears, I shared with you my greatest fear, so I'm going to share with you her greatest fear. Uh, her greatest fear is that we would take a vacation and someone would get sick. That's her greatest fear in anything. We'd start planning a vacation it's like clockwork. You know, about three days before, she's like, oh, I just hope no one gets sick. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. The, yeah, I'm the knucklehead that goes to Cambodia in November and December of 2019 and thinks, oh, I'm going to eat something that's going to get me sick. Well, we flew Air China in November and December of 2019 through Beijing twice. Um, you know, COVID was there then. We had no idea. You know, we're like, oh, whatever. 
Everybody else is wearing a mask. We're the, you know, stupid Americans running around. We're like, hey, let's not eat any food. Uh, you know, that was, our, that was our greatest fear. In the, uh, in the 70s, the Philadelphia Flyers. Philadelphia Flyers um, had a group of, of, of men. There's, they were men. Um, they were called the Broad Street Bullies. The Broad Street Bullies. Uh, the Broad Street Bullies single-handedly changed the way hockey was played. And a phrase came out of it. It was called the Philly Flu. The Philly Flu. You see, um, there, were, there were a couple of guys on that team that, that changed hockey because they made hockey uh, into a brawl. A knockdown, drag out, we're going we're gonna to knock your teeth out. You're going to pay every time you touch the puck. Um, you're not coming into our zone without getting hit and hit hard. When the stars from other teams after this began came to Philadelphia, mysteriously they would wind up on the injured list that week. And they wouldn't play. Because they were afraid. And they used to call it the Philly flu. They'd be like, oh, you know, so-and-so's not, oh, it must be, the, must be the Philly flu. It got so bad that in 1976, in 1976, the Russian national team, the Russian Red Army was asked to come play the Philadelphia Flyers in the spectrum. And after the first period, the first period was so brutal, the Russians refused to come out of the locker room. They wouldn't come out. They were afraid. They were scared. They caught the Philly flu. Somebody walked in and said, hey, if you don't come out for the second period, you don't get paid. They came right out. They were like, yeah, we're getting paid. We're getting paid. We didn't come here for nothing. Being sick can be scary. The fear of the unknown, especially today. I feel like we've been more conscious, more self-conscious, more self-aware than we've ever been of, of sickness. And that sickness can lead to, to fear. Now listen, Mary and Martha, they are afraid for Lazarus. And they appeal to Jesus. They say, listen, Jesus, the one that you have a special relationship with, your friend is sick. And the implication is clear. They want Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. Now here's the part of the story that we often forget. Mary and Martha did exactly the right thing. Mary and Martha did exactly the right thing. When they had a need, they turned to the one who could fulfill the need. They turned to Jesus. This is our first point today. When in need, call to Jesus. That's what Mary and Martha do. They're not sinning by doing this. They're not doing anything wrong. Most of us do this every day when someone's sick. We call out to Jesus. Verse 4. But, when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now, here's where the story starts to turn a bit. See, because most of us know the story. Most of us know what happens to, to Lazarus. But Jesus says something different. He says, this sickness will not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. You know, this, this is supposed to remind us of John chapter 9 and verse 3. Remember the man who was born blind? Remember that sermon just a few weeks ago? The disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says, neither. It's so that glory may be brought to God, so that God may be glorified, so you may clearly see the works of God. Jesus says the same thing here. He says, listen, the reason Lazarus is is not going to lead to death, Lazarus' illness is not going to lead to death, it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified. I want to separate two different phrases here because we can read them together. But I think there is a very specific reason why Jesus separates these two phrases here. The first phrase is the glory of God. This morning, um, we, had, we had something awesome happen. Um, so uh, I came in. And uh, first of all, I thought, I thought I was going to have the best haircut here today. Um, but I saw Josiah, and I was like, oh, no. You know, kid's already better looking than me. Now he's got a better haircut than I do. Um, but I was, like, I was like, oh, man. So uh, I, was, I was finishing up some notes, and um, sometimes I like to read a different portion of Scripture other than the portion that we're going to, to cover here to kind of save time so that I don't go for an hour and a half, which I usually do. Um, so uh, I, I like to kind of save time and get our hearts prepared for that, um, plus the fact that I'm not the best reader um, in the world. So if somebody else reads it, it's, it's better for me. Um, and I had a verse. And I kind of read through the verse several times talking about God's glory. And I said, you know what, it would just be great to read the entire chapter. So I came in here, and uh, I went back to Daniel, and I said, hey, Daniel, who's reading scripture this morning? He said, I don't know. He said, but, uh, but um, Josiah is going to read a psalm. And I kind of stopped, and I said, what psalm is he going to read? He's like, I don't know. It's one of the Psalms. So I come up here, and Josiah's leading, and I said, hey, Josiah, what Psalm are you going to lead? And he's like, uh, and I'm thinking in my mind, please, 145, 145. I'm like willing him to say this. I'm like, 145. And he goes, 145. And I was like, no way. I was like, that's awesome. And I ran out of here, and I started clapping, and I was like, yes. It's like, this is amazing. Psalm 145 that Josiah read this morning is all about God's glory. Here's the thing about God's glory. God's glory is. It is. There is nothing that I can do personally to diminish God's glory. Now, can I defame the name of, of Jesus and defame the name of God? Yes, I can. But God does not become less powerful. 
His glory is not diminished at all. He loses absolutely nothing. On the other hand, there is nothing I can do to raise God's glory, to, to, uh, to make it bigger or larger. It's as large as it can get. It is because it is. God's glory is his presence. God's glory is his works, as we read in Psalm 145 this morning. God's glory is his being. And God's glory is never lacking. The principle that Jesus is is presenting here is that this act, we often think it's for Lazarus' benefit. It's really not. It's for the glory of of God. Lazarus is dead. Like, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm dead, like, if I'm with the Lord, like, I'm dead. Like, I don't, I don't really want to come back. Like, you know, it's, there's no benefit to, to me coming, there's no benefit to Lazarus coming back for Lazarus himself. He's achieved rest. There's no benefit. The benefit is for God's glory. There's also a secondary benefit to that that we're going to see in a second here. The last aspect of God's glory transitions into so that the Son of God may be glorified. You see, guys, God's glory existed before there was time, before there was you and me, and it will exist after there is time. And we get to experience eternity in his glory. There is no beginning to his glory, and there is no end to his glory. John 1, 14. In John 1, 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by his word and his power. After making purification for our sins, he sat down at the, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much superior to angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus Christ is the exact imprint of, of the glory of God. We learned last chapter that the Father and the Son are one. What Jesus is saying here is that this miracle that's going to happen, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, is for the glory of God and so that others may see and glorify the Son. 
Now, when we say glorify the Son of Man, they are not giving the Son any more power. The Son already has all power. What they are doing is giving the Son his proper place in their lives personally. Man must realize that Jesus Christ and the Father are one. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ. And this sign, this miracle that Jesus is about to perform is proof that the power that the Father has, the Son has, and the Son and the Father are one. They glorify one another. Verse 5. Another twist. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Why did he stay longer? Well, John's going to tell us, right? Important works that he was, he was doing there. He's going to include like another miracle here. Something great that he was, no? Why does Jesus stay two days longer? Because he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. This is a difficult concept for us to wrap our minds around. Mary and Martha are in turmoil. Like they're afraid for their brother. Lazarus, if we do the math, there's a good chance Lazarus is already dead. He's already dead. We're going to read in the, in the following verses next week that he's been dead for four days. Guys, if it takes a day to get to Jesus, and Jesus lingers two more days, and then it's a day to get to Lazarus, there is a very good chance that shortly after this messenger left, Lazarus died. Lazarus didn't die during the two days that Jesus lingered. I think sometimes we read this passage and we, we see Jesus as uh, uncaring, that he just doesn't care about Lazarus. And he's like, ah, whatever, two more days, I'll just hang out. It's not the truth. Jesus intentionally lingers two days. Why? Here's our second point. God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. It's painful when we have to wait. It's painful when things don't happen according to our schedule. It's painful when we do exactly what Mary and Martha did. They did the right thing. We call out to Jesus, and Jesus says, wait. You know, many of us have gone through difficult things. Many of us have gone through unspeakable things. Things that have affected our lives in ways that, um, ways that we, we maybe have never even verbalized to, to anyone else. And we think to ourselves, why, God? Like, why did I have to go through this? Why did I have to experience this? Why is this so hard? 
And we may never know this side of glory, why we had to go through these things. But we need to trust. This is where the disciples come back in. Verse 7. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And you're going again? Listen, I, I completely understand where the disciples are coming from here. I'm sorry, but from a human perspective, like, going back, like, that's, a, that's not the best idea. I'm not going to say it's a bad idea, but I'm going to say it's not the best idea. Of course, I'm the guy who doesn't ever like to go back. Uh, my wife will send me grocery shopping, and um, she'll give me a list. I think she knows I'm not very good at grocery shopping, okay? Because the list is always very short. Um, and inevitably, I'll get to the checkout line, and I'll think that I have everything on my list. And she'll be scanning everything, you know, and I'm like, man, I did a good job. Like, I got everything on the list. I am, I am right. I'm good. And then I get in the car, and I'm like, oh, milk. Like, how did I forget milk? Well, it's all the way at the end, you know, whatever. So I will... I'll debate in the car. I'm like, do I go back in? Like, the list was short, so I got to go into the, into the short lane. You know, do I, do I really want to face this, this woman again, you know, and have to walk back in and, you know, whatever? So I get the courage, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back in. So I go back in. I get it. Um, I wasn't wearing a mask the first time, but the second time I put a mask on because, you know, I don't want her to recognize me. And I get up there, and, you know, I'm like, boop. And she looks at me, and inevitably, what does she say? Oh, did you forget something? Like, no. Like, I didn't, I just, I like, I like buying things one item at a time, and, you know, go put it out in the car and come back in. I don't like to go back. I don't like to look stupid. Why? Because I'm afraid of looking stupid. At least the disciples here are afraid for Jesus' life. They're like, we don't want to go back. Jesus, they just tried to stone you. You just left. Don't go back. Jesus answers them in verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. The Jewish working day was 12 hours. 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of night. You worked for 12 hours, you were off for 12 hours. That's the way the Jewish day worked. It's the way the Sabbath works. That's the reason that it goes from sundown on one day to sundown. Because again, you are done working at sundown. Jesus says there's 12 hours in a day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Think about our little illustration here, had it gone right. See, Ryan couldn't see where 
where she was going. She couldn't see where she was going. She had a blindfold on. There was plenty of things for her to to stumble on. There were plenty of things for her to, to trip on. You know, most of us, when faced with those things, we do get scared. Because we can't see what's coming. Unfortunately, that's what life is. We can't see what's coming most of the time. But guess what? Jesus can. Jesus can see because Jesus sees with perfect eyes. Jesus knows that he doesn't need to fear them stoning him again by going back for Lazarus. Not yet. Because the 12 hours are not up yet. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. He said the same thing in John chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. He says the same exact thing to them. That, hey, it's the day, and we do the works of God during the day, but soon it will be night, and no work will be done. Jesus says, listen, the sun is still here. And the sun's going to do what the sun's going to do. The sun is going to do exactly what the Father has directed him to do. And no stones, no religious leaders, no nothing are going to stop it until, or stop me or kill me, until I lay my life down. Jesus has nothing to fear. He has nothing to fear because Jesus sees with perfect eyes. He's also asking the disciples something here. And he also says something to them. He says, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light. You know, last week or or even even the week before, we've kind of talked about this idea But we talked about this idea that the sheep hear Jesus' voice. They hear God's voice and they know him. Jesus says here, the sheep see the light and they know the light. Jesus is saying to the disciples, look at me. Look at what I have done. For which of my many good works can they stone me? I will be glorified through this. So who walks in the night? I'll tell you, those who do not know that Jesus is the Son of God are the ones who walk in the night. Those who do not know that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is worthy of all glory and honor forever and ever, those are the ones who stumble in the darkness. But I think Jesus is very careful with his words here. Why do they stumble in the darkness? Because the light is not in them. See, Jesus is speaking to the disciples here, but he also knows that this will be read someday, where the light of the world, Jesus in bodily form, will not be here anymore. But we will have the light inside of us. 
Let's continue on here. Verse 11, after saying these things, he said to him, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. All of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Sayer or, or, or Dr. Page here, um, you know, all of a sudden the disciples turn into uh, WebMD. Like, they're WebMD. They're like, listen, no, no, no. Jesus, listen, you're, you're going you're gonna to go wake him up like he's sleeping. And if he sleeps, he'll recover. He'll, he'll get better. Jesus, let's, let's not go to Judea. Let's, let's chalk that up to, you know, uh, he's your friend. That's great. He's sleeping. He's going to get better. We don't need to go to Judea. The disciples are still scared. They're still scared. They don't want to go. They are afraid for their friend's life at this point. I go to awaken him. Jesus gives a greater explanation here in verse 13. Now Jesus had spoken of his death But they thought that he was taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Let that hang for a second. Remember how I said this story has twists and turns to it? There are things that you can say to someone that you can see the, uh, if I use an old phrase, the, the record skip. You know, where, where you'll say a phrase and they were tracking with you and then all of a sudden you say something and it's like, wait a minute. Hang on. Let's take a time out here and, and talk about this. Jesus, what do you mean Lazarus is dead? You, you just told us. You told us that this illness would not lead to death. What do you mean? Like, what do you mean that he's dead? Time out. Lazarus is dead? And, and we stayed here for, for two more days? Like, we knew he was sick. I mean, we didn't want to go to Judea, but he's, he's dead. Lazarus has died, verse 15, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And again, this story has so many twists and turns to it. Our next point, our last point here, is that God is in control even when things seem out. Of control. God is in control even when things seem out of control. Remember, we talked about God's glory? Nothing can diminish it, nothing can take away from it. His glory is, and that should be a comfort to us. God is in control. Lazarus has died. But if we remember what Jesus said, he's going to wake him up. I wonder what the disciples are thinking. Like, yeah, Jesus, we've we've seen you 
you know, heal the sick. We've seen you heal blind people. We've seen you cast out demons. We've even seen you raise people from the dead. But those people who died, I mean, they had like just died. Like they just died. Like it was like, hey, you know what? Like I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go to Princess Bride um, because everybody always goes to Princess Bride. But it's like it's like listen, like they had just died, Lord. There were some there were some Jewish superstitions at the time that believed that for three days the spirit of a person kind of just hovered over the body, trying to get back into the body somehow, and then it just got bored and you know would go away after that. There are some that might have believed that superstition and might have just believed that Jesus was able to coax that spirit back into those people because we were within the three days here. We're going to learn in verse 17 that we're on day four. So even that superstition is not going to hold weight. This term, asleep, it's not used very often um, in the Old Testament of, of people who have died. It's, it's used very briefly um, in the Old Testament when it says that so-and-so slept with his fathers. It's not really until post-Jesus here that, that Christians would, would latch on to this idea of, of Christians who die fall asleep in the Lord. But Jesus uses it here. He tells them plainly that Jesus or that Lazarus is dead. And this is the kicker. In verse 15, I am glad for your sake that I am not I was not there. Why is Jesus glad? Why did Jesus delay for 2 days? What is the point of this miracle? Is it that Lazarus has some special mission? that he has to complete and therefore has to come back from the dead? No! We said at the beginning, the purpose of this miracle is to bring glory to God so that the Son may be glorified. And Jesus says, and John records as he does in so many times in his book here, and so that you may believe. Do you realize that, that Jesus knows Jesus knows every time. Jesus knows every time a sinner turns back to him. And Jesus is looking at his disciples. And Jesus is saying, you're going to see this. And you're going to believe. You are going to see the glory of the Lord. And you are going to believe. Oh, Thomas. Oh, Thomas. Tommy boy. Verse 16. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, there's several different ways to read this verse here, okay? There's a reason that I'm reading it the way that I'm reading it. It's because the disciples don't want to go back. They don't. They go begrudgingly. There are things in my life that I've missed, and I, I kick myself for missing them. Okay? 
Uh, my dad and I had tickets to uh, a, a Phillies playoff game. We were playing the Cincinnati Reds one year. And um, there was a, uh, a pitcher by the name of Roy Halladay on the mound. And uh, just so happens that uh, that day um, that we had tickets, we couldn't go. We were both working. I think we both found ourselves in North Jersey of all places. We were in North Jersey. Um, I was traveling for BBC, and uh, he was working his job. And um, we, were, we were sitting in this restaurant, and the game was on. And Roy Halladay pitched a, a no-hitter in the, in the playoffs, and we had tickets for it, and we didn't go because we went to work instead. Kicking myself to this day for not going to it. Thomas, I believe, is being sarcastic here. But as so many times happens, as so many times happens in Scripture, the sarcastic saying is the one that turns out to be absolutely true. See, Jesus tells us plainly that following him will cost us everything. That we need to take up our cross and follow him. Many of you have heard... Um, this phrase that the chief end of man is to glorify God. And that is true. The difference between a life that glorifies God and a life that does not glorify God is giving God his proper place in your life. Now some of you are here today and you may not have ever put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You may still be stumbling in the darkness. You may not know the power and the glory of the Lord yet. The good news is that it's still daylight. There is still time. There are still 12 hours in a day. The night for us has not come yet. See, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. Ryan, why don't you come up here real quick? And even though Ryan was willing to do this, we're still going to go through with it. Many of you, uh, take off your shoes and your socks. See, we all have a problem. We have to get to the other side. Now, even though Ryan thinks she can do it, there was one little twist that I didn't put on this. Ryan, pick up the backpack. Put the other strap on. Now, what do you think that backpack is going to do when you walk across these? Oh, that's going to do worse than that. You ever try to do a push-up with a backpack on? No. You've never tried to do that. You ever tried to do a pull-up with a backpack on? No. There's this thing called pressure, okay? The greater the pressure and the smaller the pressure point, the more the pain. And this is what Jesus does for us. He comes up, takes the bag, and he walks right across all the Legos.
But it doesn't end there. Jesus takes the backpack off. cries out and says, come to me. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. The sickness will not lead to death. As we continue on next week, we're going to see exactly what happened in the story. Jesus is just giving us a preview this week of the real miracle that's about to happen. Friends, my encouragement to you is if you have not put your trust in Jesus, it's a scary thing. It's a dangerous thing. It will cost you your life. But the reward at the end is so much greater. To be in glory with God forever. To be able to live on this earth and experience the ability to glorify God. To live a life of glory. Jesus says that I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. If you don't know Jesus, you're not living right now. You're a corpse walking around. You're dead and you don't even know it. Jesus has come to be the light and to give life.